Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on this week with JB, and I'm joined by the highly coveted Pistol. How are you, mate? I'm doing well, thank you, JB. It's uh, been a very, very funny end to the season, just with the, I guess, lack of carnage, lack of injuries. I mean, it's a good thing, don't get me wrong, but it just makes for possibly some very boring podcasts. Okay, well, I'll try to spruce it up early, so... Due to the lack of carnage, I get the feeling that one of our podcast members has decided to self-inflict a bit of pain upon their own team. Oh, no. So, maybe some man-made carnage that we need to discuss here, Pistol. All right. I have a confession, community, (laughs) (laughs) since JB brought it up. Um, I may have gotten a bit too carried away with my... Fantasy Premier League team on the weekend. Um, it can happen to the best 90, of us. Shout out for the 99 points in round one. Um, Same. So I did not set my Supercoach team, completely forgot for some reason. And when I logged in on Saturday night, I realized I was doing Grundy into Gorn. So, oh my gosh. Uh, sorry, other way around, Gorn into Grundy, yep. so even worse. Um, so I did have a Grundy 86's captaincy. So forgetting my team, that's probably the first time in I think 12 seasons that I've um, made a mistake with my captaincy like that. I get my captaincy wrong all the time anyway, but uh, this <laughs> one was an accident. And that actually pushed me outside the top 1K. So oh, no. as in, yeah, I would have been in otherwise. So that was uh, disappointing, um, missing out on, you know, those 51 points from, you know, I guess the easier McRae uh, captaincy decision. Yeah, it hurts. So, I mean, look, you've given us some content to discuss on the podcast, so I appreciate the self-sacrifice. Um, and now <laughs> I'm going to talk about myself, Pistol. So, oh, God. strap in. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> nah, so I'll keep it keep it short this week. Uh, just the lowly rank increase of 18 up to season rank 108. So, my goal is, I mean, before the season it was top 1K, which would have been excellent, but... I have to adjust as the season goes along. I've got a couple of trades left still. No carnage this week. So if I don't get into the top 100, I'll be pretty disappointed with myself, uh, especially only being eight away uh, and storming home pretty well. So at the beginning of the season, your goal was top 1,000 not to win. I mean, like, basement was top 1,000. All right. So worst case scenario, I was top 1K on the dot, and I was like, ugh, a wasted season. I didn't win heaps of money. Well, I think, uh, yeah, if, if you finish top 100, you can still be like, that was a successful season. Uh, that's certainly for sure. But um, I guess following my error in ways, we can uh, jump straight into the, the Cancer Council, wait, if you wait, don't wait. mind, JB. Hold up, hold up. Do you know what right. I found out during the week? This could be anything. <laughs> I suppose there's no basis to, to that comment at all. Um, so... Uh, is it Dream Team that does, or AFL Fantasy, they give a, a cap to everyone in the top 100 with their number embroidered on the cap. Is that true? Uh, yes, for AFL Fantasy. Man, what? where's Supercoach? Where's my cap? you gotta fin- you got to earn it, JB. What do you uh, mean? I believe, give I believe the 10. person that comes, yeah, number one gets a, a cap. And uh, you can't prove me wrong until you finish number one. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> They also get $50,000, so... Yeah, I mean, it's paid in caps. Cap line. <laughs> That's the asterisk. You're paid in, in caps, so... 
I hope you <laughs> like imagine your lifetime supply of caps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess it could be worse. Maybe. Could it? No, I don't think it could. Anyways, oh, cancer council. You know, before we jump into cancer council, okay. I do want to touch on something from last week sure, go for that it. we discussed in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And you were not having a bar of it whatsoever. Oh, gosh. Um, you give me a little bit of crap. And that was at the fact that it could possibly snow on the Friday night match. <laughs> and you just were not interested in my theory that it could possibly snow. So, um, what are your thoughts uh, now, JB? I mean, it snowed, so there's that. Um, I mean, I, I didn't really notice much of the snow. I was more, I was, I was more shocked at James Sicily's performance at the, the footy. So, you know, I, the snow, snow was a bit of an afterthought. I think, uh, I think it's about time we moved on, Pistol. All right. Well, next next time when I say it might snow, I, how many I times are you going to predict whole... snow? <laughs> That's a good point. It Jeez. may not be for a while, but we will definitely be talking about uh, the, the the snowman goal goal line theory yeah. um, that should be implemented. That was going that was going a bit wild in Slack there. As soon as the first snowdrop fell, everyone was where are the snowmen on the goal line? <laughs> Look, they haven't had time to adjust to the snowman strategy. No, that's they what haven't. we're going to call it. Um, if, so, if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be Clarko time. though. Surely he he thinks about these rules. Maybe, maybe he's not at that. I guess the level of coaching um, strategy yet. No. I mean, the snowman strategy is a has to be up there. The, the I top mean, strategies, you know, pagans paddock snowman strategy. It's all up there. Are you sure it's up there with being happy around your players? Because apparently that got them the win. Smiling. <laughs> what? So didn't you hear the commentary around the game the whole time that everyone was saying? Uh, you know, Clarko got his shirt off yesterday and he's come out in shorts and he's smiling and, you know, they don't care about the snow and, you know, the, all the other, all the opposition players, all the GWS players look cold and Clarko's smiling and all the Hawthorne players are smiling and that's what got them over the line. They said it was a genius coaching tactic. I mean, I, I guess it would be a pretty good tactic if you just had never considered the facts that, you know, snowman available but yeah whatever anyway let's move on um, to the cancer council so this week uh, just the one donation so just want to say thank you very much to uh, the legendary Jamie Hall Uh, he says he's donating for the Grundy bet he backed him for 110 plus and wasted my VC Um, I was going to say at least you only wasted your VC not your C like myself Um, first dumb thing for the year probably not but one definitely worth donating for so thank you very much uh Jamie for your continued support all the way through to the very end of the season we really appreciate it and uh, I think we're really close to the 10k mark now I'm not quite sure the final number because Chizo wrote down uh, the first year which was wiped from our page um, because we started uh, a different link in year two so can't quite see how much it is but it's certainly up and around that mark well I assume we're going to see another donation within the next couple of days aren't we Yes, there will be another donate for dumb things uh, from myself, but hey. yeah, I've got to save it up to the end of the season in case I make another mistake uh, this week. So it's, not o- it's not over yet. Also, since I'm running with no trades and have been for the last three weeks, it, if I cop some sort of carnage next week, you know, it, there will be some donations. Um, but fingers crossed, it's just a, a cruisy end to the season. Well, that's a good segue because the carnage or lack thereof is kind of our first talking point. So... Um, we'll discuss Jeremy Cameron, who's the big out this week, uh, owned by just 10% of teams. So, uh, I mean, we've spoken about forward options for weeks now with 
Um, who? Oh my gosh, I can't remember who it was that just got injured before Jeremy Cameron, but Caleb Daniel. That's the one. Uh, so we've we've really discussed it before, but we'll back over the forward options. But um, this ownership of ten percent, Ka- Jeremy Cameron is the most carnage that we've seen in about a month. And I've held two trades for something like six or seven weeks and haven't used any of them. So what is going... Is there going to be carnage next... Like, when is this carnage coming? Because every single season, there is carnage. This is absolutely unprecedented behavior by the AFL. I don't think it is. I mean, is that a big call, JB? I think there's always been times where we've been hit by one or two things, but... I think you have to have been pretty unlucky to be hit by like everything on the run home, like every single injury. Even last season, whilst there were like I guess a lot of injuries, there weren't many to like highly owned players. I think like Luke Ryan off the top of my head got injured near the end of the year. Um, but even last season, I had one trade that I was saving for injuries and only needed to use it in round twenty three. I think so. I I feel like it's injuries. Everyone says, yeah, you need to hold trade for injuries. Otherwise, you know, you're screwed later in the year. But I I don't think that's true. If you have even two trades and you just get a a good luck, you don't need more than that. Um, It's better. Obviously, more trades is better and you have more flexibility. You can jump off, you know, players that lose form and onto players that have form. But at the same time, with most players, you are expecting to play, like you're picking them to play every game for the rest of the season. And a lot of the time they will. So... Yeah, I would rather get my team full primo earlier and have less trades at the end of the year for injuries and because I'll get more points on the board uh, more quickly than have trades in the bank at this stage of the year. Had, you know, it's taken an extra four weeks to get my team full primo and just have, you know, four trades at this point in time because it's seasons like this where you just doesn't even matter that you have four trades. You can't catch up on those that, you know, got so far ahead and had no trades, um, you know, at this stage of the season. So we haven't really seen players rested, which is generally another thing that comes into play. So obviously you get your injuries, your hamstring injuries towards the end of the season, things that you know, take players out a bit. But um, at the same time, you usually have to worry about a resting here or there, especially from the top few teams. But this season, there's not really been a team entrenched in the top four, let alone even the top eight. So... Um, do we think that that's more like a bit of a product like that we're seeing now in our week to week of you know no star players being rested even against Gold Coast this week um, that there aren't like huge restings and and stuff like that so uh, Hawthorne's still obviously uh, mathematically a chance for the top eight so they're going as hard as they possibly can uh, no one can afford to let one slip in the top four because West Coast are fighting for home field advantage side Brisbane so do we think that this is a product of that as well that we're not seeing any restings due to you know, no team being safe in their position in the eight either. Yes, I, I do think it is a combination of that. But we have to remember that they have introduced, I guess in recent years, that extra week break, you know, at the end of the season till before, you know, final start, so that recovery week off. So that you are also less inclined to give a rest to a player like this week, knowing that they're going to get, you know, a week off in a fortnight anyway. And ladder position is so important. So I think combination of both of those reasons are the reason that there are no real um, restings occurring. But, you know, we are speaking a bit soon. There's always next week. That's true. So um, go back to Jeremy Cameron now. Um, He's not super expensive and... 
I suppose, as we've said, we've spoken about forwards in many episodes prior to this one due to a couple of outs that we've had recently, but who would just be your top suggestion as a replacement for Jeremy Cameron? Or if you feel comfortable with Pistol, do you want to give me a couple without stealing mine? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm going to be stealing yours or not, JV, but his price is not very kind. Um, so unfortunately, he's only 429k. So you're already extremely limited in the options you're able to select. Um, we went through a couple last week, and most of them now have surpassed him in price. So I think you're kind of stuck with looking at somebody like a, a Chad Wingard, especially that he the plays Gold Coast that this you week. Name. God, uh. You just steal it straight away. It's fine. Continue. No, I think that he's probably best choice that's uh, at a cheaper price right above him you know only a couple k more is jack zebel but he's been playing forward and he's got a five round average now of 75 so he's reverted back to the guy you don't want to touch with a, a 10 foot pole so um for me i'm still more in the camp of uh the wing guard you know he's going to run through the midfield and even though he got has west coast uh next week which is you know a very tough fixture he's probably still the best option Okay, so I've got a bit of a POD then, if you're going to take Wingard, who was definitely my pick, considering he's, I think, hands down the best option. Uh, So someone who scored 112 two weeks ago, 152 this week just gone. Uh, Prior to that, he had a couple of 70, so he's definitely got a bit of risk about him. Has West Coast and Brisbane, but the bigger games might suit him. Uh, He's that type of player. That's Shane Edwards from Richmond. So uh, he's been in a hot vein of form, and 2% selection in teams. He's obviously showing a decent ceiling. I think you could go a lot worse than trying a point of difference, especially if you know who your opposition in the cash league is going with and or they don't have Jeremy Cameron at all and you know maybe you just want to get that point of difference. I actually don't mind Shane Edwards as a pick, but I think Wingard is the obvious one, so I'm kind of grasping at straws here. So I'm going to throw you a question that you're not expecting Lovely. at all. If um, Ron Marshall was a late out, so let's let's pretend you're in a scenario where you have two trades like yourself mm-hmm. and you are now holding them because there might be a late out and you can you know, take advantage of that by trading the player that's a late out. So let's say Royal Marshall is the late out. So he plays in the second game of the round um, against Carlton, which pretty much opens up the board uh, for anyone uh, for your forward line from any team except for Melbourne and Sydney. Who would you be looking at trading Royal Marshall to if he's a late out? Oh, this, this is difficult. Um... So me personally, I think it's hard to ignore someone with a three-round average of 127 coming up against Gold Coast this week, and that's James Warple. Um, So he has just been on absolute fire lately, and uh, I think his previous high score prior to the last month was 110, and then since then he's just gone absolutely bananas, just scored huge pretty much every week in the last month so yeah I think coming up against Gold Coast this week replacement for Ron Marshall it is a tough one because I, I think the top six forwards are pretty clear um, and Marshall is obviously in that so the drop down from Marshall to you know your, your Sonny Walters and your James Warples and even Jack Billings is a decent drop off so you kind of you could pick one of a f- quite a few players but Warples the inform forward in the comp at the moment 
All right, so I'll throw you a question then because Walpole's got a three-round average of 127. Toby Green has a three rounds of 121 and a five-round of 122. And I'll even throw in um, my man Tom Hawkins with a three-round average of 115 in there. So if you had to pick one for this week and not... And, and you have to consider next week's fixtures as well. So um, Wapple has that, that West Coast fixture, which is pretty tough. Um, I guess next week Hawkins has Carlton, which I would say is probably a good fixture. I mean, Carlton are pretty good now, so don't know if that's... It could be, it could be easier, I guess. And GWS have Gold Coast. Um, and yes, GWS have Gold Coast. So which, which way would you be leaning then? It's a tough question. I think still James Warple. So um, I don't mind Tom Hawkins, but don't really subscribe to the tall forwards in my forward line until next season when there's only like three midfielders available in there. Um, but the reason I've turned down Toby Green is mostly because uh, Matty DeBoer and Josh Kelly are returning. And although I don't think they're going to completely take away his midfield time because he's been so dynamic in there and he's genuinely been a match winner like a, a potential match winner every second he's in there. I think Zach Williams probably misses out on that midfield time first. But still, even if it's taken down a little bit and, you know, Toby Green goes from 120 to 110, I think Warple is every chance, especially against Gold Coast this week. And then, you know, I know he's got that tougher matchup next week though. But I just think he's every chance to just do it and go go a little bit larger even. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, I also noticed uh, Mitch Robinson has a five-round average of 110 as only in 3% of the team. So he's very under the radar at all times, uh, isn't he? He's pretty under the radar. Except for on like the actual footy field. <laughs> um, so, JB, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sling you another question. Oh so this is... Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with this. Um, if there was anyone in your side... So, wait, maybe I'll, I'll take it a step back. And I'm going to say there's some people out there that have four or three trades left. So they're thinking, well... I probably should trade this week. Now, I'd say I'd keep a trade no matter what, just in case there's laid outs. Um, I think that's important with, I guess, so many people in doubt this week. And so just, just to my- clarify that quickly before you move on. Yes. If you've got four trades, you're saying use it's okay to use one now, but at least keep one up your sleeve for the entirety of the round? I mean, it depends on what you can do with the two. If you can get, you know, a premium bench cover, then I guess it doesn't really matter because then if you cop a laid out, you've got the premium bench cover. But if you can't go from a rookie to a premium, um, I would be keeping or holding one in case there are laid outs throughout the weekends, especially when you've got people like Sloan with that massively black eye who's technically ruled fit um, and Marshall who was ruled fit, but, you know, cop that, I guess, hyperextension in his knee. Mm-hmm. So... I would be saying hold it, but it's funny because I think there's going to be people that end up having three trades going into next week because they just get to look at their game because you have to consider that there are matches that are super coach relevant on Sunday and the, the GWS game where who knows what GWS are going to pull a fast one. It's at home, so technically they could rest whoever they liked. Um, against Bulldogs, I mean, they probably won't because they need that must-win game. But I would feel very nervous knowing I have Whitfield and Williams and think, hmm, well, and I, I, should I use a trade before both of those guys play? Like, I probably wouldn't because my bench cover in the back line is terrible. And um, I think it's worthwhile, you know, holding on to a trade to make sure all your players are first Ooh, playing. I've got a but, question for you then. Okay, well, yep, you got, you got me before I got you. I'll quickly cut you off before you get me. So... 
GWS versus Bulldogs. As you said, you you wouldn't want to use your trade before that. But would you want to use your trade after final teams are announced for that game? So uh, a lot of people have Bontempelli with DeBoer back this week. I think he's the go-to target for DeBoer. And then Josh Kelly returning for GWS. And then, as we said earlier, GWS have Gold Coast next week, which is a very favorable matchup, whereas Bulldogs have Crows, which is you know not too bad, but also you know it's not Gold Coast. Um, would you consider doing a Bontempelli to Josh Kelly trade if you had the money available? Probably not. I'd rather... I mean, yes, if I had three trades... Yeah, we're talking uh, if you have three I would, trades. I'd consider. I'd definitely consider it. Um, that, that is a good question. So where, where I was going with, with what I was saying, though, is that if there's... You know, it's it's a match where potentially you're going to have three Bulldogs or four Bulldogs players in your side. You're going to have two or three GWS players. So you, you're waiting until that game because you've got seven players in it, basically. Or well, I guess on average, most people have six or something like that. So you're going to have to wait to that game to see if there's any laid outs. And then if there is, at least those teams have super coach relevant options where you can pivot um, to another super coach relevant option. But if they don't, which is then what you're saying, is like, do you try and make the most of it and I guess preemptively trade out a bond? Um, but the problem is, Bulldogs are in such good form. I don't think I would be touching any of the Bulldogs players. They're just scoring so well, JB. Um, I'd be tempted just to keep the informed players over, you know, trying to take a risky POD. But it does give you the flexibility if you are playing in your, I guess, cash leagues or league finals and you desperately want to win, just to kind of judge how you're going for the weekend and perhaps pull a, a sneaky fast one on your opponent by doing a, a quick switch to like a Josh Kelly or something to try and get you a win. Yeah, I mean, with Kelly's next two weeks, I'd be not at all surprised. I mean, if, if someone came up to you and said, I, I, I've got your crystal ball pistol, I can tell you for a 100% fact that Josh Kelly will score 30 points more than Bonnet over the next two weeks, would you be surprised? I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, I guess you're going to ask me, is a trade worth 30 points? And usually I would say no. Um, but in but this we're getting to where a you're stage. losing the trade if you don't use it in this, like right now, then... Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, that's that's the tough part there. Um, this is a good discussion. I like you're going this. to lose it. <laughs> it's so rare that this would actually happen throughout a Supercoach season as well. Like, this is insane. Okay, so, all right, another example then. If you only have three trades, so you don't have four, you don't really like any trades leading into the week, you save your trades specifically for this Bont to Kelly move. Is is that worth a thought at all? Or, you know, three three trades left, you know, they've still got, for example, Shannon Hearn, but a bit of trust there. Like, it, uh, who, who pretty much is my question, who is your worst, like, who do you think is the biggest, weakest link at this point? That you can really like get 30, 40 points out of in the next. I know I, it took me an hour to word that for you, but who do you think is most people's weakest link at this stage that they should be looking to trade out? I mean, this is a difficult question, but I'm thinking. Well, I'm looking at. I can throw you some names. Sun, Sunday games. I'm thinking you you can see uh, Hawthorne laid outs. 10 minutes before the GWS game start. You could technically do a like a Sicily to a Whitfield um, if you still uh, off Sicily after his 140 last week because he's you know been so up and down um, for the rest of the round though I'm not quite sure if you wanted to limit me just to those final two games no but, no this is for the um, whole round so this is someone with um, three trades but they like their team as it is and they're happy to use their trade whenever like they they don't feel the need to carry it over the whole round despite what we're clearly saying <laughs> I think for whatever my, reason in my team in particular I would be 
looking at um, Brody Smith, Shannon Hearn, and uh, Rory Sloan, perhaps. Okay. Um, yeah, I like that. I think uh, Sicily is also close to that group of players, as you said earlier. Um, I think a lot of people's worst midfielder is probably going to be a sticking point, but with Josh Kelly coming back, he's pretty much the only option, and do you really want to risk that on someone coming off a calf injury? Um, and then I think a lot of people that do have Royal Marshall, even though he is playing, uh, there is a chance that he's somewhat limited this week as well. So I could understand people not having a lot of faith there either. So, um, And then you look at the tagging option of, uh, obviously, De Boer comes back. And as we spoke about with Bonzapelli, then if you maybe want to look at, I'm not sure exactly, uh, wait, we I am sure GWS have Gold Coast, so it doesn't matter for next week. But yeah, <laughs> I was, you know, you, you got to also have some foresight into who they're playing next week, how much points you can possibly get up to, you know, make it worth it. And yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting trades this week. I, I'm going to be watching the most traded out in my team section on Supercoach, I think, just to see what how fancy people are getting. I mean, there's even a case for trading out Jake Lloyd, as silly as it sounds. He's got a three-round average of 86, and he pretty much, he tunned up only, he, sorry, he missed the ton twice for the first 18 weeks of the season, and then he's missed it three times in a row. So, you know, something's up with his role change. Yep. Um, I would Jordan Dawson's at least up with consider, his role <laughs> I'd, I'd at least consider uh, what other options are around at that price or who you've missed out on, but... You know, at the same time, it is Jake Lloyd, so I don't think that's going to be your like worst player in your whole team. I'm sure you've got a Shannon Hearn or something else that you'd rather yeah. deal with first. And there are some, I guess, value defenders around that price. Like Tom Stewart scored really well last week, and has got, um, I guess, decent fixtures to finish the season. So he's cheaper <laughs> than than Hearn. So I would um, even look at doing a little flick sideways for that one. Okay, and then I've just got one last point. Um, so the people with two trades. For example, myself, uh, you've got one left, you said earlier, did you? Or no? Yeah, you. No, I have zero. Oh, you've got one zero. one okay. was last year, yeah. Okay, so um, for those who have two trades or even one trade, um, essentially, I think people are getting itchy fingers because the people with three and four trades are talking about it so much. But I think the general consensus would be to hold your two trades just in case of the situation in which two people are arrested next week or one one gets injured, one gets whatever it is. I think is every possibility that there are two premiums out next week, so I think it'd be a little bit silly to, to you know pull the trigger this week on your players. Yeah, definitely. There's if there if there's no real reason to to use it, I wouldn't just use a trade for no reason this week. If you only have two or less, I, I'd be saving it for potential carnage next week. Unless it's like grand final or no grand final type of situation where you have to like pull a trigger on one of your last players to make a difference because you're 50 points down or something. So like yes. besides that, you, you you should be holding your trades. I should I should say, though, this week, there's only two weeks left of the season. Dylan Clark um, is out of the side. Mm-hmm. So some people would be running with no bench cover oh, in yeah, the midfield. True. Let's say that uh, Rory Sloan is a laid out. Um there's going to be some people, I'm sure we're going to get this question, is do you trade Rory Sloan out or do you just trade Dylan Clark to someone around his price no. instead so that you have cover next week? I trade. Sloan, yep. straight out. Yep. Yeah, straight trade up. trade the primo with two weeks left of the season. Because, I mean, if they're, if they're missing this week, there's even if it's a, you know, Sloan, he's only got, he's got a black eye, so maybe some sort of, you know, something in his cheek or I know he's been cleared, but um, there's... If they're out for one week, there's the smallest percentage, no matter how small it might seem to you, 
that they're missing the next week as well. And there's just no there's no point risking that. Yeah, like, I mean, you could, you could it, lose so many points on on taking that risk and trading in cover instead. If we look at it mathematically, if you if you trade out your premium player, um, you potentially gain. You know, you you score a hundred points this week and a hundred points next week. That's two hundred points. But if you trade out your uh, bench cover, you get you know sixty points this week, and then your premium comes back. Even if they, you know, they'd have to go one hundred and forty for you to, I guess, um, be even in that. So I'd just rather trade out the premium option at this stage of the season. Yep, definitely agree there. So um, does that pretty much summarise our who to and to not trade <laughs> at this point of the season? I think so. I think I think that's a good job by us. Yeah, good job by us. So uh, we should then talk about the captaincy options and um, I probably need to apologise to the hug. I was very busy today and didn't get the article up, so that'll be up tomorrow. But I've got it in front of me, Pistol, which doesn't help you at all. So I'll let you talk no. about the most <laughs> obvious uh, choice of the week and that is your VC option. Yes, it's very, 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 very difficult to go past Max Gorn. I thought you were going to say very week. difficult to choose, and I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, Max Gorn at the MCG against Swans, where their Ruckman is like a hybrid mixture of Hayden McLean and like Sam Reed, um, is just like the biggest captaincy. Sorry, well, it's probably the biggest captaincy lock as well as vice captaincy <laughs> lock, if I'm on, honest. Um, yeah, I, I struggle to see Gorn going like anywhere below 130. I think this will. I don't even think we'll need our captains. I'm, I'm that confident in a big VC score from from Gorn here this week. Okay, so I te- I 100% agree. I think 130 plus is a absolute certainty to happen, pretty much. So um, if that doesn't though, if hell freezes over and for some reason Gorn, you know, maybe it's a close game and he doesn't get enough. Points in the last quarter and just finishes on 110, for example. Um, Lahug has put down two players as top three VC and top three captaincy options because I think he's also assuming Gorn is going to be everyone's VC. That's Patrick Cripps and Brody Grundy. So uh, Cripps has a particularly good record against St Kilda, um, tends to go well against them. His last three were 116, 156, and 157. So that's all just massive stuff from him. Um, so I think he's a decent option, but I want to talk to you about Brody Grundy. So um, Crows have named both Riley O'Brien and um, Sam Jacobs. So do you think there's a potential double team tag type situation happening there? Because I think Gorn said during the week that's the only time in his career that he's ever had to play a negating role, and it was on Brody Grundy. So if there was ever a ruckman to attempt to have been negated, then it's Brody Grundy. I mean, Pi still won, so I don't know if it's enough. The juices worth the squeeze. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know if it's going to be worthwhile for Crows. But I guess we'll see. I I, I still think that, yeah, it's Brody Grundy. I, I think unless your name is Max Gorn, you're going to have a really hard time. It doesn't matter how many bodies are thrown at you. You can throw uh, Dawson Simpson and Shane Mumford uh, against him and he can still absolutely wipe the floor with you. So I think if you have Riley O'Brien and Sam Jacobs, whilst they're better than the GWS Ruck combos, um, I still think they'll have a, a difficult time limiting him. But that being said, Max Gorn's going to dominate. So we won't have to worry about that. I do like the, I do like the Crip shout as well. Um, I will say, if I'm thinking of captaincies, what, what are your thoughts on um, perhaps a, a Nat Fife uh, against the Bombers? Okay, so I, I, yeah, it's tough because I don't want to seem like I'm knocking Nat Fife at all because he's obviously he's in incredible form this season. 
Um, and I think someone mentioned earlier in the Slack that midfielders tend to score decently against Essendon, but with very limited research and just a lot of what I've actually noticed just by watching and following the games, I don't think inside midfielders do particularly well. And a couple of examples start with Fife only scoring 101 against them earlier in the season. Uh, Cripps obviously tagged by Clark, uh, only 89, and Oliver only 95 in round three, so before Clark was involved. So um, I know Clark's not playing. Obviously, they're probably not going to run with a heavy tag option. Fife, especially in the form that he's in, could very well go big. But as my captaincy option, I just I'd much rather Cripps. It's not it's not me trying to say he's not going to score a hundred or he's going to do particularly bad. But I would just rather the other options because I think there are enough this week to to turn down Fife. All right. Well, that sounds pretty sound. I'm not going to not going to argue <laughs> against that. <laughs> I mean, I think you looked it up earlier, but Fife had like four scores of 130 plus all in a row, only interrupted by the score of 101 against Essendon. So. You know, it's it's not a form breaker per se, but it's just entirely possible that he only scores a hundred and ten or something. All right, I'll I'll back you in there. <laughs> okay. It doesn't it doesn't really matter because Gorn's just going to be yeah, as, doing that well. Said, so yes. that's not no point really pushing. It. Okay, good. Um, all right. Well, that essentially wraps up the captaincies, and that then wraps up the podcast. So I'm I'm sad. This has probably been our quickest podcast of the season. Well, look, I'm I'm not sad just because. There's less carnage, and that's good for the community. So I do want that to keep happening. But uh, at the same time, um, yeah, less, I guess, entertainment being put out there. So uh, our apologies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, more injuries means more entertainment, right? So <laughs> I think that's what you, you were trying to say there. But <laughs> do you want to plug the, uh, the socials? Uh, you can find myself at pistol underscore drsc. You can find JB at jb underscore drsc, and you can find Chizo on Twitter at Chizo underscore drsc. Um, <laughs> why, why are you laughing? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like you stumbled over that last one, but keep going. Now you're doing well. I, I was thinking, should I say Chizo with a Z? I'm like, yeah, no, I know, no, you're no, like, no, on, I won't say it. On I won't Twitter, say it. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, they're all on Twitter, dude. <laughs> Well, I should, yeah, sneakily uh, throw that in there. But uh, otherwise, thanks for for joining me on this podcast, uh, JB, and thanks, community. (laughs) Cheers.